Good afternoon. I'm Councilman Kevin Kramer. It's 4:31 on uh, February 23rd. Uh, this is the Budget Committee, uh, Appropriations and Budget. Um, I'm Vice Chair of the Committee. Uh, Councilman Blackwell is en route, and so he'll be taking the meeting over from me um, very soon. Um, I'm joined in chambers by Councilwoman. Um, uh, I'm looking right at you, Marilyn Parker. Sorry been working with Maryland for how many years now? Uh, Councilman Ja'Cory Arthur. I knew I was going to forget somebody's name. I just thought it would be Andrews. Um, <laughs> Ja'Cory Arthur, uh, Councilman Barbara Shanklin, uh, Paul McCraney, Andrew Owen, and uh, Jeff Hudson. We're also joined uh, virtually by Council Members Patrick Mulvihill and Cindy Fowler. Um, I'm going to move through the agenda in the, uh, in the order that it's here. I'm not, take, not taking anything out of order. Um, we will be holding item number 11. When we get to that one um, for the for a future meeting, so. And before I get going, I need to have this statement read in about people attending virtually. This meeting is being held pursuant to KRS sixty one point eight two six and Council Rule five A, read in full. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, the first item on the agenda is um, an ordinance. It's o, o it's an ordinance o twenty eight twenty three. It's an ordinance appropriating neighborhood development funds in the following manner: two thousand dollars from District two through the Office of Management and Budget to Mental Health Louisville and You, Inc. for speakers and personnel costs for its mental health series held in libraries within Louisville Metro. Can I have a motion? Motion, Arthur. It's properly before us. I got it right that time. I got the motion second before I start. Um, okay, it's properly before us. Is there anybody here to speak to this? If you'd introduce yourself for the record, please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this is Caleb Howard with District 2. Um, this is for a mental health program, again, Mental Health Lou and You, that's going to be actually happening at the uh, Louisville Free Public Libraries. It's going to be at five to seven different branches. And the, uh, the program's modeled off of programs like New York City's Spaces to Thrive, and it focuses on utilizing library spaces to fill in critical gaps in our mental health system. And they uh, tend to do this by using libraries as connection points for mental health education and resources including promoting uh, 988 and helping individuals find local providers. Uh, so this is going to be happening at Newburgh Library in our council district, but it's also going to be in District 8, 18, 25, and 4 at least. Uh, and so we're seeking both your approval on this as well as if you'd like to chip in some money, we wouldn't say no. Thank you. Okay. Uh, anyone want to speak to this? Anyone in the queue? Councilman Arthur. I've never added money to an NDF at this level, only at the council level. So is it the same? We just say, Absolutely. Hey, just okay. jump in there. Show right. us how well, much you'd like to add. 750 from District 4. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none. Um, I'll Mr. Need... Chair. Yes, ma'am. Councilman Fowler. Fowler. Sorry, I'm not on no worries. the queue. Um, 250 from District 14, please. Great. Thank you. Anyone else? Councilman Arthur. Could I change my amount? I, I just found out about the, the price per library. And also clarify, do you know if it's at the main or at the Western Library branch? That one I'm actually not sure. We'd have to look into that. Um, however, what I do know what uh, you're talking about is that they did ask for 2000 per each library that's going to have the, the resource, which is why I guess uh, Ms. Shanklin probably told you that. Um, I'm not sure which one they intend on having it at. I'll have to look through here real quick. Okay, well, I, I just wanted to change the amount to 2,000. Thank okay. you, sir. Thank you so much. No worries, if an amendment has to be made. Uh, Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I won't be able to do 2,000, but um, I'm glad to do 1,000. Thank, Thank you. you, sir, I appreciate it. Great. Any others? Okay, I'm gonna need to ask for an amendment to include the changes that the three of you had just made. Motion. Second. There we go, it's properly before us. Can we vote uh, on the amendment? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Great, the ordinance is now before us. Madam Clerk, if you please open the voting. Council Member Mulvihill? Yes. Chair Blackwell, Council Member Fowler? Yes. Vice Chair, you have nine yes votes. Thank you, and this will go to um, old business because of the amendments. It will also give Councilman, Councilwoman Shanklin an opportunity on the floor to make the request for potentially more assistance. Um, I want to, I'd ask that the clerk calls the record to reflect that we have been joined by Councilman Piagentini. 
We'll move on to item number two, which is ordinance 02923. This is an ordinance appropriating 50,000 from district two neighborhood development funds through the Office of Management and Budget to the Jefferson County Public Education Foundation, Inc. for the repair of the Newburgh Middle School football field. Motion, Arthur. Okay, it's properly before us. Anyone here to speak to this? If you'd again introduce yourself for the record. This is Caleb Howard with District 2, Councilman Shanklin. Uh, and this one, as you might have already noticed, is a little bit different just because it is going through a JCPS, um, for a JCPS field. Uh, however, what the funding is gonna be used for, right now the field is in terrible condition. It's gonna provide clean dirt, laser grading and survey, laser grade field to slope in both directions, and fertilizer at Newburgh Middle School. Right now, the Newburgh Middle School football team is playing at Thomas Jefferson Middle School. Uh, and they can't actually even play on their field because it's filled with water. It's basically a wetland out there. Uh, now, I know this is two different taxing districts. And so with this NDF, the uh, football field actually is open. There's a gate that is always open uh, for the public to be able to use the field when there is not a, uh, an organized event going on. And I do have a couple of guests here from Newburgh Middle School that may like to speak to the item as well. Certainly. Steven Stegall, for the record. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, kind of like what uh, Caleb said. We're uh, petitioning to get our field repaired. Um, this would mean a lot to our students. Newburgh, as you know, is a community-based. It's JCPS, but it's a community-based uh, school. We're uh, surrounded by the Newburgh Community Center and the uh, Boys and Girls Club and the library. Um, we have a lot, we have several students that, of course, experienced, you know, COVID um, in 2019, 2020. So they're being uh, kind of reacclimated to school. So having an opportunity to be able to play at home uh, kind of denotes a certain level of pride uh, for not only their school, but, you know, their academic and behavior performance. So we're just, uh, Looking forward to you know this being approved, uh, you know just for the school and for the community at large. Councilman Shanklin, the main reason that we came in to help put funding in there is wetland in Newburgh. Everybody knows that the the park, I mean the football field is full of water. They can't play there. They have to go to JC. I mean over to TJ. We went over there with the news media. They came out to look at it. They almost got stuck in the mud. That's how much dirt and mud is in the field. And the kids can't play there. So they have to go out of the district, not out of the district, but all the way across my district to play football in another school's field. So that was the reason that we were trying to improve the field so the kids that live close can play football right there. Thank you. Anyone else? I just have one quick question. Um, you mentioned that there's a boys and, club, boys and Girls Club nearby and also the community centers there. Um, do you know if either of those um, have programs for like flag football or other kind of football programs or even soccer or field hockey? Um, do you know if any of those nearby have programs? And if they do, is there any conversation about them using these fields when Newburgh football team's not on it? Let me. Uh, let me answer that. Sure, thank the, you. The community, I mean, the Boys and Girls Club only owns the land that it sits on. They have no land behind them or anything. That right, will, my question was, do they have programs where they would use this field that you're doing oh, the work yes, on? Oh, yes, yes, uh, the Boys and Girls Club have lots of programs. And so it's sitting right behind the Boys and Girls Club, so it would be open to them to play too. Yeah, I think, thank you. I think that's what I'd like to point out, is it? it's one thing for us to build a new or, or do improvements on JCPS property for JCPS students, right? That's the two different taxing districts. That is problematic. But if we, if these boys and, if the Boys and Girls Club or the community center that's there right. is planning on using these fields too, that opens up a whole different yes. um, opportunity for us. Yep. Um, what's the total cost on what they're looking at doing here? Uh, I mean, the total estimated cost, it would be about $150,000. Um, the $50,000 will cover 
uh, like Kayla was saying, the actual work on the field and about a sixth of the dirt that we would need. So that would make it playable and safe. Where do you anticipate the other 100 plus coming from? Uh, we're going to reach out to you know other community organizations and businesses uh, just to uh, just to have those uh, partnerships. So you're going to start some fundraising, mm -hmm. Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Vice Chair. It's my understanding that the Louisville Youth Football League pays to use the football fields, uh, and that money goes to a uh, subsidiary of the Jefferson County Public School System through their booster clubs. Can I? Can I offer that if, if Metro government is going to pay to basically create this field out of a pond, that that fee from Jefferson County uh, Public Schools be waived unless Jefferson County Public Schools also ponies up some money to fix this field? Yeah, the fee will absolutely be waived. Thank you. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, anyone else? No. Councilwoman McCraney. Uh, I wanted to find out what is the input from JCPS? What is their involvement in financial support for fixing the field? Unfortunately, like middle schools don't receive any type of like budget or any uh, money from JCPS to, uh, to operate our facilities. So any money that we get are from grants or fundraising. Have you spoken to someone at JCPS and they have refused to understand the situation? Yeah, this is my second year, so um, we definitely had those conversations in the first year. Um, we had a uh, meeting with JCPS facilities and grounds and athletics, and we left that meeting pretty much. We just had to fundraise and, and seek the funding outside of JCPS. Do we have any history that they've ever paid for a repair of a football field that they own? None that I know of. Um, I mean, it being JCPS property, I'm sure there have been contributions to upkeep or uh, some development of the property. But the other, there's other five, there's five other middle schools are called hub middle schools where they host uh, football games for pretty much the JCPS football league, and it's the same situation. Those fields are they're not as bad as, as ours. They're not a, they're not under submerged in water. Um, but as far as like irrigation and, and needing additional dirt and, and turf, uh, they're you know pretty much in the same similar condition. And, okay, and so you have no knowledge of JCPS repairing their fields? None that I know, no. Okay, thank you. Councilman Shanklin. Okay, I can answer that. Uh, I don't think we were there when they built that field and it hasn't been there, I think it's been there about three to four years. GE came out and helped put that field because we didn't have a football field and uh, JCPS actually paid for everything. And GE came in and put, built the fence around it and did a lot of work over there and built a stand. But I think they were able to use it the first year and then they didn't realize that that was all wetland. So it, they couldn't use it anymore so they start going to uh, over there at TJ. So uh, they, this is a new field and it just can't be used. And uh, so, you know, by putting so much money into it, it's open to the community. And my community is connected to, as we said, the Boys and Girls Club, the uh, community center, the library, all of it is right there together. And GE has come over and put a lot of work into that. But, you know, what good is having it if you can't use it? So I just wanted to put some funding in there to help get the fields ready. Couldn't put the hundred and 2550 or whatever, but was able to put some funding in there to help get the, some dirt and level it off where the kids could play and not have to go out of their area. Councilman Arthur, oh, you, did you withdraw? Anyone else? No, ma'am, but I can call on you. Councilman, I'm sorry, Councilman McCraney. Okay, so I, I'm trying to get a, just a clear understanding. Is this a one-year fix, or will this be an annual uh, event where the field gets wet again and needs repair again? Well, the issue, part of the issue with the field is that it's not, we talked about where it can be crowned on both sides so that the water can slope off. So 
the dirt that'll be provided with this will help with that. So this will, you know, increase the increase the usability of the field. So we'll have a approximately 550, 580 tons of dirt being added to the field. So it will last, it'll be more sustainable than it is now. So how will, long? It, um, well, right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm just asking the it, question. It, it, if someone has given it some thought and estimate, then somebody could tell you how long that field could last with that amount of dirt. I was just wondering if you had found that out. I don't have a clear answer to that, but it would it would be more than a year. Um, I'd, approx I'd approximate probably three to five years just based on it having irrigation and it being properly sloped. Okay. At least. Thank you. Anyone else? Um, seeing no one else, so, no one in the queue. Um, this is an ordinance that calls for a, vo a voice vote. Um, it is an appropriation, so this will come back before the council. It's not a CI. Okay. Um, it calls for a, a roll call vote. Madam Clerk, please open the voting. Council Member Mulvihill? Yes. Council Member, our Chair Blackwell, Council Member Fowler? Yes. Mr. Vice Chair, you have nine yes votes. And with the sponsor's permission, I'm going to move this to old business. So that okay. if anybody between now and Thursday wants to sign on to um, so add additional, they sign on. Oh, they've only asked for 50. Never mind. I'll send it to okay. consent then. I made okay. an effort. That's Sorry, okay. Barbara. That's all right. <laughs> okay. So that'll go to the consent calendar. Okay. I just want to thank everybody for supporting it because, you know, it's our kids and and our kids out in the street and everywhere else. We want them to be able to play ball, do the things they need in their community, and not have to go to another community. Thank you. I definitely want to echo Dr. Shanklin's sentiment. And every council member is, uh, you can get free admission to the games, half off concessions. <laughs> I'm the athletic director. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next item is item number three. This is a CIF. It's CIF 022323 um, P. It's an appropriation, it's appropriating $8,000 from District 6 Capital Infrastructure Funds to Public Works to repair the sidewalk at 710 Baroness Avenue. Um, Motion. Good. Is there anyone here to speak to this? Yes. Hi, Shalana Taylor, um, Councilman Philip Baker's office, District 6. I'm getting used to that. Bear with me. Uh, this CIF request is to repair a sidewalk in front of a constituent's home. Um, her and a couple of her neighbors are elderly and are having issues getting in their house with the sidewalk raising. Any questions? Seeing none, this is a CIF requiring a voice vote. All those in favor signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay, the ayes have it. This passes. Uh, moving on to item number four. This is NDF 02-2323. Um, PNA 06. It is appropriating $1,200 from District 6 Neighborhood Development Funds through the Office of Management Budget to Paris Town Point Neighborhood Association, Inc. to pay for vendor services for a drone to conduct traffic, to conduct tra traffic studies during events that were held between August 26, 2022 and September 21st, 22 at Paris Town Hall. Motion. Again. Uh, this item is actually... Had come through appropriations before under um, President David James, but the organization missed the deadline for their paperwork, so we had to resubmit it. So at this point, it's becoming a reimbursement for those um, those activities in the area. Okay, thank you. It it, it is coming as an emergency reimbursement, which is by definition, somewhat unusual. Um, can you speak to that at all? What was the, why were they not able to get the paperwork in? Was that us or them? No, it was them. She missed the deadline. I'm honestly not sure why she missed the deadline. She just said she had a bunch of things going on, but uh, they had to go ahead and pay the uh, vendor out of pocket. So that's why it's an emergency reimbursement because they didn't have the funds to do that. And when you say she missed the deadline, I'm assuming there was, and I, I know too that the current councilman is, is new in this office, but yes. um, was this a commitment that was made and then she missed the deadline or was this like she missed some other deadline and came to us to ask for money? No, no, no. The commitment was made. We approved okay. it and then she missed the OMB there deadline. I believe it was the grant agreement. I don't want to speak specifically on which. Okay. The grant agreement. Okay. She missed that deadline to get it back in. Okay. 
great, thank you. I don't mean to cause so much no, trouble. No, I'm just trying good. to get a, a clear sense of what happened there. Okay, great. Um, any other questions? Seeing none, um, this is uh, an NDF for under $5,000, so it requires a voice vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. Great. The, ordinate, the uh, NDF passes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Five. Um, this is a, uh, this is a CIF 022323PW16. It is appropriating $454.53 from District 16 Capital Infrastructure Funds to Public Works for a pedestrian traffic study at the intersection of Barber Lane and Trail Ridge Road to determine if a pedestrian crossing is recommended. We'll get a motion. It's properly moved and seconded. Um, it is an appropriation for $454. Is there anyone here to speak to this? It does not require someone to do so. Okay, um, if it's okay, we'll go ahead and take a vote then. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Any opposed? Aye. The ayes have it. Passes unanimously. Item number six. This is an NDF 022, or 022223. <clears throat> Let's try that again. 022323. WPPA 16, it's an it is appropriating $2,470 from District 16 Neighbor Development Funds through the Office of Management Budget to Wolf Pen Preservation Association, Inc. for the Wolf Pen Springdale Landscaping Project. It's properly before us. Um, this too is under the, the threshold, but uh, the sponsor has asked if we would make an amendment. Um, the amendment is to change the requested amount from $2,470 to $2,696.50 um, because raising it to that total um, makes the contribution from District 16 equal to half of the allocation. So the agreement between the district and Wolfpen Wolf Preservation Association was that District 16 would pay half, they would pay half. To get to dis District 16's half, the amendment is $2,696.50. I'll make that in the form of a motion. Second. Good. Uh, the amendment is properly before us. Any questions about the amendment? Seeing none, the amendment calls for a voice vote. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. The ayes have it. We now have the amended NDF before us. Again, it's the $2,000. Uh, $600, which is below the threshold for a, a, vo a, um, a roll call vote. So all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 The ayes aye. This moves to consent. Actually, it doesn't move anywhere. It's, we're finished with it. Okay. Um, moving on to item seven. This is a CIF 022323. Appropriating $12,325.75 from District 20 Capital Infrastructure Funds to Public Works to improve the safety at the entrance of Farmer Elementary and Ramsey Middle Schools by installing flashing lights at the crosswalks. Move. Motion. It's properly before us. Um, again, this, is, this one is an item that needs someone to speak to it. Councilman Benson has asked if I would um, share with you the intent of this and also to offer a, a small amendment. Um, this is, as it describes, it's appropriating money for um, uh, school crossing and to install flashing lights. They want to retrofit the, the uh, solar street light at the crossing that illuminates the crossing as well. And so they're asking that we include language that amends that to, to suggest that they are retrofitting uh, for the, for the uh, solar street light crossing. They were concerned about Mr. Chairman, do you need a motion to amend? I think they were If it's a technical amendment, then I'm going to accept it that way, and, and the clerk's office will take care of that. Um, and as a technical amendment, then uh, it comes before us, and it's a CIF, so that requires a voice vote. Um, all those in favor, signify by saying up. Oh, I'm sorry. Aye. Well, I'm sorry, Councilwoman. There, it looks like there might be somebody in the queue. Um, oh yeah, it's confirmed. Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I, I would like to point, just remind everybody, uh, we're paying for a crosswalk uh, to cross Old Shelbyville Road, which would like Height Elementary, and, and when I say we, my district, is uh, funding this, which would connect Height Elementary and Eastern High School to the Middletown Library. One of the reasons we located the library there 
was so the kids could literally cross the street and be there without having to walk any significant distance. Whereas it used to be actually located across Shelbyville Road, which is a major, you know, four to six lane road, depending on where you are. Um, just as, you know, one of the things I know that's come up as well, schools this and schools that, they can't pay for a darn thing that is one square inch outside of the property of the school. So I just wanted to compliment Councilman Benson, but just bring it up as a broader concept for all of our districts to take a look at, and I'm looking at Middletown um, Elementary, which is by us, has some crosswalks that really aren't well marked and, and looking at all of this pedestrian safety stuff. We've talked about it at Public Works, but look at your districts and look at your public schools and where you have like easy things like this that can highlight the pro these problems with pedestrian crossings around these schools, it can be very helpful. So just wanted to highlight that for my colleagues. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any others? Councilman Owen. So is that old Shelbyville is a metro road and not a state road? Is that correct? I can respond to that. It's Please. very complicated. It is. So it's oh. a state road that, similar to other state roads, the maintenance of it, quote unquote, like just repaving a pothole, is actually Middletown. But because it's a state road, th this became very complicated. We so I, because we located the library there, actually when we were doing it, at the time, and this goes back a couple years, we discussed like, hey, the city, we, we, we need to put in a crosswalk here. And I said, I will find a way for the city to pay for it. We're just doing it out of my CIF money. But, the, um, but we had to get, although we're funding it, we had to get both state and Middletown approval for it. Uh, but yeah, it's a state road, but like many of the state roads maintained, quote unquote, uh, not for capital purposes or just for maintenance purposes by the city of Middletown. So you were able to get uh, permission from KYTC Fifth Division yes. uh, to do the crosswalk and, or, or, or Councilman Benson was, to get the crosswalk and the flashing lights? Well, I don't know about Councilman Benson. I was just speaking of mine, yeah. but I, I assume he did. I'm just wondering because I know that they, they, they've done a few of those around, around Metro, uh, but they're pretty stingy with those, and so I was just wondering whether, that pro that, whether he had gone through that process or not. So. Well, I don't know where, I, I can't speak to this one. I'm just telling you when we did it, yes, we had to go through KYT to District 5. They were uh, good to work with, had no problem approving it, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and frankly, Public Works handled that conversation on our behalf and, and did a very fine job of it, by the way. So, uh, but thank yeah. you. Okay, thanks. The notes I have indicate that it was done through Public Works. So I'm assuming that's the same answer. Any other questions? Okay, this is also a um, CF that requires, I'm see, let me look, be positive, yes. This is also a CF that requires a voice vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye, any opposed? Aye. Good, on the item passes. We're to item number eight. This is an, this is an ordinance, 02523, an ordinance amending ordinance number 83, series 2022, and ordinance number 84, series 2022, relating to the fiscal year 2022-2023 operating and capital budgets, respectively, by transferring $100,000 from the District 7 Neighborhood Development Fund to the District 7 Capital Infrastructure Fund. Is there anyone here? Uh, first, need a motion? Motion. Okay, it's properly before us. Anyone here to speak to this? Councilwoman McCraney. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I am uh, each year socking away monies to help with the Her Lane redevelopment, in fact. This particular amount of funds will go with others for the hopeful extension of a left turn lane from Her Lane to uh, Westport Road. So it's a part of our infrastructure plan for District 7. Okay. Anyone else? Questions? This is an ordinance requiring a roll call vote. Madam Clerk, if you please open the voting. Committee Member Mulvihill? Yes. Committee Member Fowler? Yes. Chair Blackwell. Vice Chair Kramer, you have nine yes votes. Um, this is unanimous and goes to the consent calendar. Moving on to item number nine. This is also a CIF 022323 WDC 12. It is, an appropriate, it is appropriating $300,000 from District 12 Capital Infrastructure Funds to Waterfront Development Corporation for the construction of pickleball courts at Riverview Park. Can I have a motion? Motion. Okay. Second. Um, it's properly before us. Is anyone here to speak to this? 
Yes, I think she I, is. I am. Oh, there she is, uh, Ms. Ms. Blazes. I, I, I didn't know if you would want me to hold this until Mr. Blackwell got here, or if you'd want to go ahead and speak to it. No, I'll go ahead and speak to it. Heather Blazes, Legislative Assistant for Councilman Blackwell, District 12. Uh, this is for four pickleball courts at Riverview Park off Greenwood or on Greenwood Road. Um, we are very excited to finally bring some pickleball courts to the southwest part of Louisville. Any questions or concerns? Um, the only, I would add a comment that um, I know you will find in southwest Jefferson County how popular these pickleball courts are. Uh, I participated with Councilman Parker to put, I think we put four in at Dupre, and they were, and then we did uh, a number of them at Charlie Vatner Park, and it is overwhelming um, how well used they are. So I can only oh, imagine. Oh, I know, we've had requests, and they've mentioned your all's nice courts. Yeah, I can only imagine your constituents are really, really anxious to get these in, so. They um, are. Well, without, uh, without any hesitation, then let's call for a vote on that one. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. The ayes have it. Um, the CIF is approved. We're moving on to item number 10. Oh, we're skipping 10. Uh, 11 is being held at the request of the sponsors. And item number 12 is an ordinance amending ordinance number 168, series 2021, relating to the second round of American Rescue Plan, ARP, local fiscal recovery by extending the time frame for the outdoor safe space, um, expanding the authorization of funds for resources for those experiencing homelessness to include a community care campus and by ex extending the date for implementation of certain public safety reforms and amending ordinance number 197, series 2021, relating to the third round of the American Rescue Plan local fiscal recovery by accelerating the date for full payment of public safety hiring incentives. Motion, Arthur. Okay, this is properly before us. I will uh, comment to the to my colleagues and to the to the viewing public. Um, the attachment for Schedule A that was originally filed with this that attachment has been updated. So as you look at this ordinance, you'll recognize that the that the attachment is updated. The ordinance itself is not changed. So is there anyone here to speak to this, Mr. Hillebrand? Um, Mr. Yes, Councilwoman. Councilwoman Fowler. Um, this Yes, um, Councilman um, Dr. Blackwell is here. Are you prepared to speak to this? Otherwise, it seems like there is someone um, supposed to be here from the administration. Yes, Mr. Hillbrand is here from the administration. Uh, Mr. Hillbrand, if you'll introduce yourself. Yes. Ken Hillebrand, director of the Local Accelerator team. So there are four items on this amendment. Um, first is the, uh, LAT 50, the outdoor safe space. We're asking to uh, ex extend the timing for this. Originally when the ordinance was passed, it was for one year. Uh, the contract was signed last January. They started the operation in the end of April and we have funds to continue that project. So we'd like to continue the, the project past the original one year that, that was in the or original ordinance. For LAT 53, uh, Community Care Campus in Chancery, this was originally the College Street Project, also known as the Chancery, and this was uh, taking that project and making it affordable housing. What we're doing with this amendment is taking the dollars for the College Street Project and using it to purchase the Stenson property or the Community Care Campus, and we're gonna use emergency rental assistance dollars to do the College Street Project. On LAT 61, public safety reforms. We're, uh, right now, the way the ordinance was written originally, it allowed two years for LMPD to use those funds for public safety reforms. That was passed in November of 2021. So that would expire, that two years would be this year, November 2023. Uh, they're in the process of doing a lot of work there, and we'd like to have more time to execute those projects. Uh, under the guidelines of the American uh, Rescue Plan Act. Um, so that was that, that's that request. And on the public safety hiring incentive, um, the money was allocated. And the way the payout is listed and the way the program was, was written up, our last intake would have been December of last year, December of 2022. We'd like to continue using those public hiring incentives for those agencies, uh, LMPD, uh, corrections, emergency and emergency services, including EMS. 
so that they can continue recruiting folks with those incentives. And again, through the uh, allowing us to do that through the terms of the American Rescue Plan. We anticipate with uh, some of the options that we're looking at for the rewriting this proposal or the program for this is that the last intake or the hire, hiree uh, would have to sign uh, an agreement with us by December 31st, 2024, and we would still be eligible to use those funds uh, for this project. 2024, 2023? 2024. So if we, uh, allowing those uh, the, uh, service academies to continue to recruit folks, get them through the academy or the training, and as long as the last person that we could uh, sign up for that would, would be in December 31st, like 2024, December 2024, and then we could still do those payouts with a, with a signed agreement from that employee when they're hired for that position. I thought they, I, so when is the expiration date? Well, the full expiration date for American Rescue Plan is December 31st, 2026. So one of the things that we're changing with this ordinance is the payout schedule. Gotcha. Okay. Instead of three payouts over a couple years, we're gonna do two payouts. Okay, makes sense. Madam Clerk, please call the record to reflect that the chair has joined the committee and will be taking over. So Madam. Uh, Councilman Arthur. Thank you, Chair. So with the College Street renovation funding, um, the language within Schedule A implied that residents of the safe outdoor space would be priority for moving into that affordable housing once it was finished. Since we're paying for that renovation with ERAP money now, that commitment is no longer there, at least we're not looking at it in front of us. So could you speak to if that same commitment will happen even though the funding's coming from a different source? I would have to get back to you on that, uh, Councilman. I'm not sure of the details on that part of the project, but I can get back to you on that. And are you in a rush to pass this? Because I'm concerned moving the funding source and not having that commitment would mean that we're going to renovate and build affordable housing on a site where people are currently in tents and eventually in huts. But once that housing becomes available, they won't even be able to move into it. So yeah. I just wanna make sure that's clear if we're moving this, the funding source. I'll find that out before the passage of this item. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Could, could you do me a favor whenever you have a moment, and, and it may not be your department, maybe somebody else, but um, have the appraisals for the property that we're buying been shared with council members? For community care campus? Yes, specifically the building that was part of the most recent deal. I think it's six or seven million dollars. The property that was owned by Mr. Stenson, um, just wanted to make sure council members had access to the appraisal. My understanding, at least it was reported, that there were potentially multiple appraisals, but we, if we could get access to those, if those could be shared with the council members, um, because, look, frankly, we've had people, I know people have contacted my office saying, well, like, how do we know, right, that this is the market rate? I'm sure there were appraisals done that was reported. If we have access to it, we can simply say I've seen it. They were done by reputable agencies, we're good. I'll right. check into that. I'm no. not, I don't have access to that information, but I'll check into that for you. Terrific, thank you. Okay. Any other questions? Seeing none, this is an ordinance call for a roll call vote. Please open the voting. Councilwoman Fowler, we need your uh, camera, if you can. Uh, I've got my camera on. Well. Can you not see me? I cannot. We can hear you. Oh, there you come. Uh, there you go. It was that piece of black okay. paper you had in front of the camera. That was it. Yep. Committee member Fowler. Yes. Yes. And committee member Mulvihill. Yes. Mr. Chair, you have 10 yes votes. Thank you, committee. I don't pass this and we'll go to. Uh, Motion to reconsider. Second. 
Thank you. So, without, thank you so much. Uh, without objection, we will reconsider, and we have an amendment that we need to make that I think yep. uh, Councilman Kramer is getting yes. ready to make here. If I may, Mr. Chair, we'll double back. Um, I had suggested that we would change the uh, schedule, the attachment, Schedule A. Um, that was my error. I thought we could announce we were changing the, the attachment, and that didn't require an ordinance. But. Oh. oh, you need a voice vote. Okay. Uh, all those in favor of the reconsideration, say aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. And again, um, I'm going to then change my statement about the attachment from I'm letting you know we're doing this to an, uh, an amendment. So I'm offering an amendment to change the attachment for Schedule A so the new one in the system reflects the changes. I'll make that in the form of motion. Second. We have the amendment before us. Questions or concerns? Seeing none, all those in favor of the amendment say aye. 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 Any opposed? The ayes have it. Now we have the amended ordinance before us, which. Wait, have you ever got a motion on the, on the, on the front? We need another motion, second, and a wall. Any motion for anything that we have to do? <laughs> second, <laughs> shout out to Sonia. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Now we have the, ordinance, the amended ordinance before us. Calling for roll call vote, please open the voting. Committee member Mulvihill? Yes. Have I not given you all? Sorry. Committee member Fowler? Yes. Again, you have 10 yes votes, sir. Thank you. But now the item will go to old business because of the amendment. Thank you. Thanks for catching that. Um, and uh, item 13 is um, special discussion item uh, update on the workday system and apparently some delayed payments on the workday system. So, um, if you can just uh, identify yourself for the record and I don't know if you want to, I'm assuming you're going to start with comments and then we'll ask questions. Is that how? Yep. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Richard Champion, Finance Director, Office Management and Budget. As you probably remember, I came in um, November 16th of last year and gave an update on where we were with the invoice processing when we moved from our Oracle financial system to the Workday financial system. Workday went live on October 3rd of 2022. Um, so when I met with you before, we had a very large backlog of invoices. We had to pause the invoices as we moved from Oracle to Workday. Um, when I met with you, we had just over 5,000 invoices that were needing to be paid. Um, there were some questions at that time about what we were doing to crash the project, to be able to speed up the, the payment of the invoices. And there was a question about, you know, were we doing enough? Could we um, hire on more people to help process this? And so um, the day after that, we reached out to a agency that we use for staff augmentation and we got them started on trying to get us some temporary contractual help to push through these invoices. Um, it took a little while to get people on because we were moving from you know Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's but by January 3rd we had four contractors on and they are still with us to date. We have 10 full-time staff and accounts payable and four contractors. In that amount of time that it took us to bring on those contractors, our backlog of invoices went from 5,000 to just over 7,500. So we were, we were trending in the wrong direction. I'm happy to tell you that today, uh, th these, as, uh, as of yesterday, we had 3,500 invoices in our system. Of those 3,500, 69 of them are from a previous fiscal year. We have someone looking into those to see what those are. Um, and you'll also notice on the next line that we've removed almost 6,500 invoices from the system. Those are invoices that um, for one reason or another needed to be removed. They could be duplicate invoices. They could be an incomplete invoice. And so these 69 that are from a prior fiscal year, we have somebody looking into them to make sure that they are valid invoices that need payment. Of the, of the rest of the 3,500, the invoice aging is listed below. And you'll see that we've got 66% of them are within the 60-day time frame. To talk a little bit about what our capacity is to be able to pay invoices and how it's uh, improved over time, we are importing in about 200 invoices a day. Um, you'll see there in October is 200 and it drops slightly, but 150 to 200 invoices are coming in each day. 
we're then indexing those invoices at about that same rate and indexing is just putting in that initial information that gives you the invoice date, amount, et cetera. And then on the next line, you'll see the invoices that we're approving. Those are invoices that have gone all the way through the system and are ready for payment. And as you can see there, we are getting better and better at this each month. In addition to that, if you look at the last line, this is total invoices paid. And total invoices paid is showing our capacity to get these payments out the door. To date, since October 3rd, we've issued over 39,000 payments for invoices. Absolutely. That's your question. So um, when you mentioned the outside vendors, they're helping you on, on all of these areas? Or they're helping you on particular areas? The, the invoices are being imported by a system. They go in through an email and get okay. imported through the system. So that's automatic. Okay. Um, the contractors are helping us with the second and third line there, okay. the indexing and okay. the approval. Okay. So that the would 10 AP staff that we have plus the four contractors. Gotcha. So that would explain the wire numbers are in such That's a right. Way. So you'll see there December, January, we're, we're moving from the two to 400 range up into the mid 500s. Gotcha. Okay. Do we, you may, well, I'll just wait until you, I'll, I'll ask again. I, I was just going to say, how long do you think, do you anticipate that we'll need those folks? So that's, that's the next slide here. So okay. yeah. we have, uh, this is a very conservative estimate. Um, if we were to import in at the 200 rate per day and approve at double that rate, and, and as you'll see from this slide, we're actually approving it much higher than that. But at this conservative rate, we would be caught up in 18 business days. And so as we get caught up, we will start removing those additional contractors uh, from the workload. This screenshot here, uh, this is just a quick screenshot of the supplier invoice work area. This is some information that we didn't have with our previous financial system. I know people have asked you know, several times, why, why go to a new system? What does it give you? This is an example of what it gives us. With this screenshot um, in Workday, I can look in at what each individual employee is doing. I can look in at a department level and see what they're doing. Um, this is very small because I was trying to get it all within one screen, but you'll notice there at the top, you know, Fire currently has 100 invoices in the system. So I can click on that. Anything that's blue is a hyperlink. And I can click on that and I can see where those 100 invoices are in the process. This allows us to triage invoices in a way that we weren't able to do with our previous system. When we have received calls with people saying, hey, we haven't received our payment, this is what we use to go in, find that payment, and try to push it through the system. And with that, I'll take any other questions that you have. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilman Piagentini. Thank you, Mr. Chair. <clears throat> let, me, let me start just background. I was on... Uh, the transition team for now Mayor Greenberg, specifically looking at um, OMB and a few other departments, and this came up. Uh, there was a lot of conversation about this during that, that tra those transition meetings. Uh, let me let me first off by start by saying that Workday is an outstanding program, right? I'm glad we're upgrading to it. Most of the major national international companies that I've worked for worked with operate off of Workday. It's an outstanding platform. Uh, it, and I'm saying that out loud because I don't want people to think that it's the new software that's the problem here, right? Um, I would tell you that there were a lot, lot of mistakes made uh, in my estimation and what came through during the transition period uh, on how we went about this. I think one of the things that seemed to jump off the page is um, we seem to have tried to do this implementation at once as opposed, as opposed to more phases, right? Adding phases as opposed to trying to get a lot done at one time. And, and frankly, everybody just got overwhelmed, even the consultants, the internal staff, everybody got overwhelmed. Lesson learned, we shouldn't do that again, particularly on a major IT implementation like this. Um, I do wanna compliment uh, the mayor's office and the new administration because at the time, and I mean, members of his current administration were in the room with me. It was Deputy Mayor James, it was his Chief of Staff, it was several other people, and I think even maybe Deputy Mayor Maton, that there were several people in the room that are part of his permanent staff now when we were talking about this. And we identified this as one of like 
a very, very small number of top, top priorities and said, look, if you can't get this under control, we, we, we were already in serious trouble. Uh, there were vendors, I mean, it, the, the situation was so dire, there were vendors uh, calling, at the time, uh, President, Metro Council President David James, threatening all kinds of action, right, if, if we didn't get this under control. Um, and so I, I, this is, you know, I mean, I wish we were done by now, but I've been in backlogs in operating, uh, I'll just say operations where you're inputting things, actioning them, and then doing something on the back end. Getting out of a backlog is hard. It's very, very difficult, and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and considering we're in you know, late February, so this administration's been in office for a grand total of, of a month and three weeks, um, this, is, this, is a, this is a pretty good turnaround. Um, so I just wanna say this is well done. Uh, I'm glad that the mayor's administration jumped on this as proactively as they did when it was cited during the transition period. Um, but I, I would say when, this, when smoke clears and we're all done and we're all feeling more comfortable, um, we should document to the best of our ability, memorialize in whatever way we can, the lessons learned from this implementation because we're all not gonna be here one day in the future and we don't wanna go through that again and create the risk that we did. Um, so uh, that would be my only follow-up ask. A good job in getting out of this, but let's memorialize this somehow so that you know when it's mayor God knows who in the future and all of us are retired, uh, that you know, when the next piece of software gets implemented, uh, there's a remembrance of how to do this in a, in a more efficient way. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Sure. On a document from Mayor Godho's, God knows who. Councilman Arthur. Thank you so much. I just want to clarify something. When we talked about how to pay for some of the contractors or maybe even additional staff, uh, remember there was a, an ask from Metro Council and I had asked if we could just use some of the funding from the professional services budget that we were currently in for this fiscal year. Could you just clarify where the funding came from? Sure. We um, are currently paying for our contractors with some overage where we have because we have short staff. We, we aren't fully staffed in OMB and so there's some payroll there that we're utilizing to pay for those contractors. Thank you so much. Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So anytime there's a, a new uh, software that has this kind of functionality and versatility and power, uh, there's a lot of user stories uh, that have to be addressed. And, and I appreciate the uh, attention you've, you've given to the invoices. And, um, but one, one, one of the questions I have, I have two questions, um, is from a reporting standpoint, from the users of the of, of Workday. Uh, some of the anecdotal information I'm getting is that the reporting functionality of Workday is cumbersome, uh, where, where if you search for um, uh, a report that you, you're looking for specific information from, the information it gives you will give you the information you're looking for, but it will also give you a lot of information that you're not looking for. So you have to really go in and dig out from the report what, you, what you're looking for. So my first question is, is, is there a, a team that's working on, on that to resolve, to resolve the reporting issues? And then the other question is, um, previously it was, it was stated that uh, we would feel like we're off the ground and running around mid-February. And we are currently, I guess, mid-February. Is it, is it your perception or your opinion that we are off the ground and running? Uh, yes, so we are producing invoices and approving invoices at more than double the rate that we brought on Workday in October. So from an invoicing standpoint, I think we are definitely off the ground and running. We are not fully caught up with the backlog yet, but we are getting close. Um, it, it definitely feels different uh, now than it did uh, back in October and November. From a reporting aspect, we do not have a dedicated team to do customized reports. We do have some reports that were built during implementation. There are also out-of-the-box reports from Workday. If there are other reporting needs, um, we need to consolidate those needs and, and discuss if a report needs to be built or if there's a re report already out there. 
I would be happy to request as part of our budget ask a team to build those customized reports, but we do not have that currently. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Sure. Uh, Councilman Owen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I, I also just wanted to, to commend the administration for identifying this as a place that we needed to focus on very seriously. Um, Frankly, when you can't do the nuts and bolts of government, uh, rebuilding the trust between the community and government is not going to happen. And so I commend them for identifying this as one of those nuts and bolts places of government that we needed to focus on. But I also I, uh, commend your office for taking their focus and implementing it, because that's not easy to do. And so I, I just wanted to bring those two things to light. Rebuilding the trust in government has to start at the local level, in my opinion, and these are the kinds of things that we can do to help rebuild that trust. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, and agree. Councilwoman Fowler? Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. President. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Mr. Who are you? Dr. Blackwell. Um, um, I'm just the chair today, <laughs> unless something happened before I got here. It might have. Um, so, I, I have a question about a uh, contract um, for um, taking care and maintaining a bright site at Dixie Highway and Gene Snyder. Um, and I don't know how this happened, and I'm just hoping that this is something that was just kind of a fluke. Um, but that's payable through Public Works, and Jeff Brown takes care of those invoices. Um, the gentleman who does the work submitted an invoice um, in June, and he finally got paid in February. Um, he submitted another one, which, you know, I, I, it was after Workday started. So I, I understand how that probably got lost in the shuffle. But can you help me understand how the first one um, got so behind, you know, it was like, eight months later, he finally got a check. And, you know, I can't afford to lose this guy because he does a good job and, um, you know, <laughs> but he needs to get paid, you know, on a timely, uh, in a timely manner. Yeah, I don't have the details of the specific instance that you're talking about. In fact, I haven't heard you mention a vendor name yet, so impossible for me it's to- Blades, It's Blades Long Care. The gentleman's name is Nathan. Um, can't think of his last name. Okay. It starts with an H. We can Hartledge. look into that and I can I can follow up, but I don't have that information. Okay. I'd I'd appreciate it because it, you know, uh, he he's indicating that he might not be able to uh, continue working if, if he can't get paid on a timely basis. So um, I'd appreciate that if you could. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Councilman Kramer. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I wanted to go back to the uh, question that Councilman Hudson had asked about the reporting. Um, and I, if I understood your response correctly, um, what you suggested is that there are reports that we used to get through the LAHEAP program um, that were generally pretty quick. We would send over, did I use the wrong term? Leap. Leap, sorry. That we used to get through the LEAP program. I mean, we get those reports pretty quickly, but apparently those reports aren't built into Workday. So there are several extra steps, and it, it really, quite honestly, falls to our staff now to take two or three reports that you guys generate, and then to go through those reports and try to find what it is that they used to get on a LEAP report very quickly. I think I heard you say there's not anything in place to make those reports more easily accessible and that you don't have any, there's no one on the outside that's done this, there's nothing out of the box and I think so, I heard you say that if we expect that to happen, we're going to have to come up with the funds. So the reports that you're likely speaking about in from LEAP were probably like a unit activity report or a departmental report. Um, there are similar reports in Workday, some of them out of the box, some of them that were built during implementation, a budget versus actuals report. Um, but in order to rebuild a report to specifically mimic what was previously provided by LEAP would take customized reporting. And we don't have anybody on staff that does customized reporting. I had proposed it in our previous uh, budget, but that position did not get funded. 
Um, the, the thing about reporting is that the structure in LEAP and the structure in Workday are different. And so when you say grab two or three reports and put them together, um, the two financial systems are not built the same. We've redone our chart of accounts. Our chart of accounts used to have 48,000 lines in it. And Workday works differently. It actually is much more flexible um, from a reporting aspect. If you were to go into Workday and use dashboards to drill down to the data, you can get data in near real time that you could not do in, in Oracle Financials in Leap. In Leap, we had to print you a report and, and send it to you via email or print it out on a piece of paper. Workday is much more flexible in the ability to go into the data and, and get it in almost near real time. To build a report that's printed and looks like a previous report would, call, would require us to have a customized report writer. So here's my request of you. Um, I understand that, and I've, you just said it at least three more times, that this new system makes things much more efficient, it gives us access to information much more quickly, that we can do things that we couldn't do before. Um, I understand from our staff that we're having some difficulty getting access to information that we had access to quite easily Can you give before. me an example? Well, what I'm gonna ask for, if, if I could, is a commitment from you that you'll get together with our staff and make sure that they have access to the information they need in a, in a and I wanna say a timely fashion, but I wanna go beyond that. I'd like to ask for our staff to have access to information as quickly in the new system as they had in the previous one. So if you could just commit to that for me, that you'll work with our staff, you'll make sure they get the information, the, the information they need just as quickly as they got it before, I'll be a happy camper. I can commit to you that I can meet with them and figure out what their needs are, but without understanding their needs, I don't know that I can commit to them being able to pull that information the same as they're used to with a previous system. I cannot tell you how impressed I am with the staff I have and how capable they are. Um, I feel certain that they can share with you what it is they need. I, I'm not convinced that they're asking you to create the exact same report. I think they want the same information. If you can help them get the same information, I know they would be grateful. Thank you. Councilman Arthur? I forgot, um, and Fowler made me think of it, you know, the vendors that we're dealing with, that we have relationships with, there's damage done just because of the late invoices. I'm curious if you all are communicating with them as you pay them and, Absolutely. and making it clear like, hey, this was our fault. Just, just so we don't damage those relationships and hurt being able to work with them in the future. We are absolutely communicating with those vendors that have threatened to stop services, as an example. When we know that a relationship has been damaged, our accounts payable uh, manager and the executive administrator over that division are reaching out directly to those vendors um, to try to work out any of those details. Um, so I'm not sure that we're reaching out to every vendor, right? We just don't do that. But when we believe that a that an invoice, when somebody's asking, "Hey, where is this?" We're definitely taking that extra step to follow up and, and to let them know. Thank you so much, mm -hmm. Councilman Hudson. Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> I just wanted to circle back to uh, a previous statement that I uh, it was before my my tenure here. Uh, that typically other governments take three to four months to come up to speed. On, on this particular uh, workday system. And it, <clears throat> from a mile away, which is where I'm from, looking at it from, <clears throat> it seems that Louisville Metro is taking longer to, to figure this out. And I'd, I'd like a response from you on why you think that is. You know, why, why is it taking us so much longer to come up to speed on this system than other governments? Sure, so I can't really speak to other governments, except that I have had several conversations with the consulting firm that we're using for project management services, Barry Dunn. And Barry Dunn has told me in their work with us versus their work with other governments that we are working much leaner than other governments, that, that we don't have the staff to dedicate towards doing project work and daily work at the same time. And so we were utilizing the same staff to try to get the daily work done and the project work done at the same time. And I think that um, caused a delay in our ability to implement it and also 
and the learning curve that it took to be able to adopt it. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Have any other questions? Seeing none, thank you so much for coming today. It was thank you. Very Appreciate helpful. It. Very helpful. Thank you. Have anything else to come before us? Thank you, Mr. Champion. Yeah. Motion to adjourn. Thank you. All those in favor of adjournment? Aye. 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 Those who are not, you can stick around. We are adjourned. See you next time. Clean and restore. Enid Yandel is one of Louisville's most famous and celebrated sculptors. It's a fixture in the park. You know, Hogan's Fountain is, um, it, it's iconic. I've been coming up here since I was one year old, I guess, but it's good to keeping it in shape, not letting it uh, run down. There have been a lot of interested parties who have come through to ask, you know, everyone's 